We're going to jump into the second message in the series we just started, Practical Prayers. Last week we talked about Abraham. We looked at an amazing, amazing prayer that he, he gave to the Lord. It was actually the first recorded prayer in Scripture, and that prayer was a prayer of intercession. And I hope, I really hope that you were able to take away several things from that prayer as we looked at that, and uh, hopefully you've even put some of that into practice this week as you've prayed and have included intercession in your personal prayers. Today, as we go forward in the series, we're going to be looking at Moses, at the prayer of Moses, and this is part one. There's actually another incredible prayer that Moses offered that maybe comes from a place not all of you would expect, and we'll look at that next week. Uh, But this week, part one, the prayer of Moses. And, you know, you learn a lot about someone the more you hear them pray. The more you're with people, the more you're praying with people, you actually learn a lot about those people. You learn a lot about their heart. You learn a lot about their their mind, what's important to them. You learn a lot about their character. You learn a lot about people as you pray with people. And that's certainly true uh, personally, as I have met with men here in the church every Wednesday night. Uh, we meet right over here in the corner, in the back of the room here. And wow, you, not only is it a tremendous blessing just to pray with your brothers, but, and the same would be true of the women out there in the foyer, I know they would say the same, but not only is it a privilege to pray with your brothers and sisters in Christ, but you learn so much about them. You get to know the people you're praying with. And as we listen to what Moses prayed, we're going to see that personally knowing God and personally experiencing God's glorious presence in his life That was his primary passion. That's what drove Moses more than anything else. His primary passion, his all-consuming passion, was knowing God personally and experiencing God's presence in his life personally. We're going to see that as we go forward. At the heart of Moses' prayer, this prayer and the one we'll look at next week, but especially this one, at the heart of Moses' prayer was an, an insatiable desire, an insatiable desire for God himself. Not just what he could get from God, that's really an important detail, not just what he could get from God, but God himself. That was an insatiable desire that comes to the center of Moses' prayer. Therefore, that was the true heart of the man doing the praying. And that's what needs to be true of us and our prayers as well. An insatiable desire for God himself, not just what we could get from God. Let me give you the application of the passage we're going to look at before we read the passage. Do it a little bit differently. Here's the application of the passage we're going to look at. This is the, really the main takeaway from these verses that we'll look at together. Ready? Here we go. Here's the application of the passage we'll look at. We need to want God more than we want things from God. We need to want God more than we want things from God. That was true of Moses. We're going to see that as we go through these verses. It needs to be true of us as well. So with that in mind, 
I want to invite you to look at Exodus 33, starting at verse 12. We'll go all the way through 23, through the end of the chapter there. Exodus 33, 12 through 23. I'll be reading from the CSB translation. As you're making your way there, and before we jump in, let me just first establish the context. Uh, God has instructed Moses to lead the, the people of Israel to the promised land. We know that. They already messed up quite a bit. Lots of different ways they messed up. Lots of different ways they sinned against God. Lots of different ways they provoked his anger. And it was so bad that God said to Moses, all right, I want you to bring the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, I want you to bring them up into the promised land, out of the wilderness, but I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you because if I was with you any longer, I would just kill everybody. They are so bad, I don't think I can be with them for even a minute. My, my righteous anger, my righteous wrath for their sin and their sinfulness will just go out and it will consume everyone. So you take them, you lead them, but I'm not going with you. I, I can't be around them at all. They're just that bad. And Moses actually said, well, this is a problem. So he, he sets up what he called the tabernacle of meeting or the tent of meeting. He sets it out far outside of the camp, far away from the rest of the people of Israel, so that if anybody wanted to seek God personally, they had to leave the camp and go out to this special designated place, this tabernacle of meeting. And so um, Moses would go out and that's where he would meet with God. He would commune with God. And the scripture tells us that God would speak to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And whenever the pillar of cloud would come down, the manifest appearance of God's presence in his glory, whenever it would appear at that tabernacle of meeting, when Moses was in there, all the people of Israel would stand up at their tent and they would bow down to the ground. But it was only Moses that was out in that tabernacle meeting with God face to face. He would talk with them, he'd get instruction, he'd commune with them, and then he'd leave and go back to his tent. And the scripture tells us a really tiny detail that's so beautiful. It tells us that Joshua, his assistant, would linger there in that tabernacle of meeting after Moses left and went back to the tent. He also was so consumed with God's presence and so desiring of God's glory that he just wanted to kind of soak it up. But that's how it went. God wouldn't come down in in the midst of the the tents with the people of Israel. He would meet with Moses one-on-one outside of the camp. And yet he still wants Moses to lead his people into the promised land, even though he says, I'm not going to go with you though. And that's the context to where we pick up in verse 12. Exodus 33, 12. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me, lead this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor with me. Now, if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you so that I may find favor with you. 
That's really important to remember and to apply, and I'll come back to that in just a second. Now consider that this nation is your people. So Moses is in his boldness with God. Remember, God speaks to him face to face, very personally, as a person, as a man with his friend. So there's this comfort level here. There's this this boldness that Moses can have with God that he feels free to have. And so God has said, these people are so bad, they're so sinful, they're so wicked, I can't go with them, but I still want you to lead them to the promised land like I promised I would do. And so Moses says, okay, you've told me lead these people, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but if you're not going, then who are you going to send? You haven't told me whom you will send with me. You say you know me personally, you say I have found favor with you, okay, great, I'm glad, If that's true, then I need you to to take me further. I need to go further with you if I'm to lead these people well. So he said there in verse 13, If I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways and I will know you. In other words, God, lead me. If I'm going to lead these people, I need you to lead me in even greater ways. Teach me your ways, then I will know you so that I may find favor with you. And I said that was really important, and here's why. Many times we look for God's favor or evidence of His favor or evidence of God's blessing. We look for it in so many different ways. And there's all kinds of books written about finding God's favor, knowing God's favor, having God's favor in your life. But my friends, we see right here a very important fact. Having God's favor and knowing you have it comes from being taught by Him. As we are taught God's ways, as we learn God's ways, that's how we learn and know and have God's favor. That's the way to do it. To know Him. To learn His ways. To be taught by Him. Him. He favors those He teaches. He favors those who knows Him and His ways and seek to apply that to their lives. Everybody hear that? Are you with me? Are you awake? You, you know God's favor by knowing Him. You know you have His favor by knowing His ways, by being instructed by Him. How do you get instructed by God? How do you learn His ways? How do you come to know Him? It's what you're looking at right now. At least I hope that's what you're looking at. I hope you're not on you know, Facebook or Instagram or something like that if you have a, an electronic device with you. I hope you're actually looking at the Scripture. That's how you come to know God. That's how you learn His ways. And by being a person of His Word, you can be assured that you're going to be a person that He favors. That's where it starts. Starts in knowing Him, learning from Him. Verse 14, and He, God, replies. So Moses is there, he's praying, he's communing with God, he says this, and this is the response. Verse 14, and He replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Now that right there, that's just That's beautiful. Here's God saying, I'm not going to go with these people. But Moses says, no, that's no good. That's not going to work for me. That's not going to work for us. 
and if you're not personally going to go, then all right, whom, whom are you going to send? We need somebody more than me. We need somebody beyond me. We need somebody bigger than me. And I need your help in greater ways. So there's a little bit of intercession going on there too. And God responds to that. He honors that. And He says, okay, Moses, all right. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The word used for rest here, this is just great. The word used for rest here means a comfortable, peaceful confidence. Isn't that great? A comfortable, peaceful confidence. That sounds good to me. I don't know about you. Life as we know it, life out there and everyday life and life in your house and life in your family, most of the time, unfortunately, it's absent of comfortable, peaceful confidence. I think you would agree. So this sounds really good to me. And I I know it sounded good to Moses, and that's what God is promising here. He's saying, my presence will go with you, and it's it's attached. Because my presence goes with you and will go with you, I will give you rest. I'll give you a comfortable, peaceful confidence. God was promising Moses that no matter what they faced along the journey, and we know by looking back at this historically, we know they faced a lot. They faced a lot of trial. They faced a lot of difficulty. They faced a lot of discouragement in this journey through the wilderness. But what God is promising is that no matter what they faced along the journey, in Him, in His presence, they would experience a comfortable, peaceful confidence and security. My friends, if you know God personally through Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with Him, This promise is your promise as well. That no matter what you encounter along your journey of life, in the wilderness of life that we're in, we're in the now, the not yet. You know, we're we're not in the, the sweet by and by. We're in the nasty now and now. And as we go through this this wilderness wandering, this sojourn as believers, we can be assured that through Christ we have the promise of a comfortable peaceful confidence, and a security. No matter what. No one else can give you that promise. No one else can deliver on it. It's only in and relating to God, experiencing His presence personally in your life. And this promise given by God here, this is another divine promise, like so many we see in the Old Testament, that is echoed by Jesus and completely fulfilled in Him. Completely fulfilled in Him. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29 Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you weary and burdened this morning? Probably. In some way, in some form, you're weary, you're burdened. You, you've been carrying burdens all week long. You're weary from them. You're exhausted from them. Jesus' promise is, come to me. Look to me. Don't look to this source and that source. Don't... Don't try to find rest in in this artificial thing. Look to me. Come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you, to use what God told Moses, a comfortable, peaceful confidence and a security. He continues, he says, Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Soul rest. 
That goes way beyond physical rest. Physical rest comes and it goes. It's fleeting. Soul rest is abiding. Don't you want soul rest? Don't you want to experience that? It's available, but it's only available in Jesus. Only in Him. Only through Him. So it's a divine promise that God gave Moses, echoed by Jesus, and fulfilled completely in Him. Well, back with this passage in Exodus, verse 15. God has promised, okay, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses says in response, verse 15, if your presence does not go, like, okay, but you remember you just told me you weren't going to go, now you're saying you are going to go, so I just want to be clear with you, God. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. What, what would they be distinguished by? What would set them apart? What would mark them as different and as special? It was the presence of God. The presence of God is what would set apart Israel from every other nation. And that alone would set them apart. That alone would distinguish them from everybody else. Moses says, I and your people, the way we're going to be distinguished as chosen people, as your people, and set apart from everybody around us, it's by the fact that your presence is with us and that it goes with us and that you are with us and that you give us strength and that you give us hope and help and rest and all of those promises. That's what we need. So I want to make sure that's what's going to happen here. Moses only wanted to move if God was the one that led them and was with them every step. He was essentially saying, I can't even attempt to lead this people unless I'm first led by you. And I don't care how great the promised land is, unless you lead us every step of the way, it won't be worth going to. Moses knew that what would make the promised land great was God going with them into it. My friends, we need to desire that as well in every part of our life. We need to desire, to yearn for, like Moses did here, that every part of our life is led by God. We need to say the same thing that Moses did. We need to say to God, God, I don't want to move anywhere in my life. I don't want to pursue anything in life unless you are leading me. I don't want to move without you. That needs to be the cry of your heart, the cry of my heart. I won't move unless you move, God. I'm not going to pursue anything unless you have led me to pursue it. I want to be led by you in every part of my life. I want to be in step with you every part of my life. You know, we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Paul told, tells us that in Ephesians. Galatians, I think, too. I mean, there's several other places. The, the theme over and over again in the New Testament is be filled with the Spirit. That means be in step with Him. As the Holy Spirit leads you, 
you be in step with Him. As we walk by the Spirit, Paul says, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. That's keeping in step with Him. This needs to be the cry of our heart. It needs to be part of our prayer, but it needs to be something we live out and apply. That we aren't going to move without God. That we won't be pursuing anything. That, that our direction will be at the leading of God. Moses also knew that God's presence was what gave them significance. God's presence gave Israel its significance. It wasn't what they had. It wasn't what they knew. It wasn't what they could do. The only thing that really set them apart and gave them a meaningful identity was the personal presence of God in their lives. And this is also true of us. The only thing that's going to make you significant, really significant, the only thing that's going to give you anything of eternal significance in your life, what gives you meaningful identity, Christian, is the constant presence of God in your life through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's your identity in Christ that gives you a meaningful identity. That means you you don't look for other things to fulfill you or to find meaningful identity in. You don't look to other people in your life, as great as they might be. That's not where your identity comes from. If you are truly in Christ, your identity comes from being in Christ. That's where your identity needs to be found. He's what gives your identity meaning. He's what gives your life significance. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And it's God with us, and even more than that, it's God in us through the Holy Spirit, which we have through Christ. That's what gives us our significance. That's what makes our identity mean something. We need to remember that. We need to keep coming back to that. Oh, God, my identity is not found in this or, or in them. It's found in you. Please help me to live that way. That's what needs to be part of our prayer. That's what sets us apart, just like the presence of God set Israel apart. Verse 17, the Lord answered Moses. Okay, Moses, I hear you. I will do this very thing you have asked. For you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. If you truly know Jesus as your personal Savior today, that's true of you as well. Hallelujah to that, right? If you know Jesus, you can be assured, assured that you have found favor with God, that He knows your name, that He has a plan and a purpose for you, that He is with you. You don't have to do anything, Christian, to earn God's favor. You don't have to try really hard, do more to get Him to like you. And if you, in your humanity and in your frailty, you fail, uh uh-oh, God doesn't like me anymore. Uh Uh-oh, I don't have God's favor anymore. No, no. You don't have to be plagued by that fear. If you are in Christ, God's favor on your life is secure in Christ. Praise Him for it. 
Verse 18. Then Moses said, as a result of all of that, Moses just can't help himself. He just kind of uh, explodes in worship. He, he just gives this, this statement of absolute desire. And this goes back to what I said at the very beginning that marked Moses' prayer, that we see something about his heart, that insatiable desire for God's presence above anything else, above what he wanted from God or even what he needed from God. He wanted God himself, no more, no less. And we see that on full display in what he says next in verse 18. Then Moses said, Please let me see your glory. Please let me see your glory. The Hebrew word for glory here is kavod. And it literally means weight. Weight. This word points to the immeasurable weight of God's character. To His splendor. To His holiness. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Weight of Glory. That's what he had in mind with that title. The glory of God is weighty. It's heavy. In a good way. It's, it's immense. It's immeasurable. And yet, and yet, we can experience it. We can know it. We can be saturated by it, and we need to be. And that's what Moses is asking for. He's saying, please, let me be saturated by all that you are. That's what he's saying. Let me, let me know and experience personally all of your splendor, all of your magnificence, all of your holiness. I just want to be saturated by it. I don't want to know about you. I want to know you. I don't want to just see you from afar. I want to see you up close and personal. I want to be changed by you. I want to read you a statement from great, great pastor and author who has long been with the Lord, Martin Lloyd-Jones great Welsh pastor. He says this, and it goes right along with this statement from Moses here in verse 18. He wrote, we may have been Christians for many years. That's true of a lot of us in this room. We may have been Christians for many years, but have we ever really longed for some personal, direct knowledge and experience of God? That's a good question we need to all ask. We may have been Christians for many years, but have we ever really longed for some personal, direct knowledge and experience of God? He continues, Oh, I know we pray for causes. We pray for the church. We pray for missionaries. We pray for our own efforts that we organize, yes. But that is not what I am concerned about. We all ask for personal blessings, but how much do we know of this desire for God Himself? That is what Moses asked for. Show me your glory. Take me yet a step nearer. Oh, church, that needs to be our, our primary prayer. When, when is the last time that you and I were, were so consumed with the desire for God and God alone that in our prayer, we didn't ask for anything else except, God, show me your glory. God, take me further up and further in with you. When's the last time that marked your prayer? That needs to drive our prayers more. There's not anything wrong. 
with giving petition and request. We're commanded to do that. There's nothing wrong with praying for our church and for various causes and missionaries and your own efforts and your own personal needs. There's nothing wrong at all with that. But we need to make sure that that is not what occupies most of the space of our prayer. What needs to occupy most of our prayer is this all-consuming desire for God's presence like Moses. We need to want God first and foremost. Far before and far beyond, we want things from Him. Show me your glory. Take me yet a step nearer. Verse 19. This is God's response. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name, the Lord, that's Yahweh, the personal name of God before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he added, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. Remember, this is God the Father speaking to Moses. You cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. This was an act of mercy. This was not... God withholding something from Moses to be harsh or anything, quite the opposite. This was an act of mercy and love and tenderness. And this is really good news for us today, Christian, because here's the connection to this for you and me. Once again, like so many things in the Old Testament compared with us today, once again, only because of Jesus we get to experience much more than even Moses did. Here's what I mean. Jesus shows us the Father and makes it possible to know Him personally. And it's not a partial revelation. It's a full revelation. God said I, I'm gonna, to Moses, he said, I'm going to put you in this rock. You're not going to see all of me. You're just going to see a partial revelation because if you see me with all, with all my fullness, it'll kill you, Moses. And I still have plans for you. I'm not ready for you to be with me yet. But, but with Jesus, we get to experience the fullness of God. Jesus shows us the Father and makes it possible to know him personally. Here's what John 1.14 says. John 1.14, this is about the incarnation of Jesus. The Word, the eternal Word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. That's literally tabernacled among us. You see the connection? Here's Moses setting up a tabernacle in the, in the wilderness far away from the camp of Israel that he goes and communes with God. And it's a temporary thing. And, and he's the only one who does that. John writes and says, the Word, the eternal Word, became flesh. Didn't just appear in some manifestation. Actually took on flesh and lived and tabernacled among us. We observed, that means gazed intently at, something Moses was not able to do. We observed, looked intently, gazed at His glory. 
the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And he continues in verse 18, John 1, 18, No one has ever seen God. That's speaking of the Father. Remember what we just read. No one can look at me and live. You can't see my face, Moses. John says, No one has ever seen God. Parentheses, the Father. The one and only Son, who is Himself God, and is at the Father's side, He has revealed Him. That's not just a Christmas time truth, church. That's every single day. For everyone who comes to Him, who knows Jesus, the Father is revealed to you through Jesus. God's goodness is wrapped up in His glory. That's why God told Moses, I will let all my goodness pass before you in my glory. God's goodness is wrapped up in His glory, and, and what was partially revealed to Moses is fully revealed to all who truly know Jesus as Savior and Lord. He, Jesus, is the complete revelation and expression of all God's glory. You want to see God's glory? Look to Jesus. This is something that's obviously hard for even the most devoted follower of Jesus to really grasp, so you would be forgiven if it's hard for you to wrap your mind around. You're not alone. John 14, 7-9. Oh, Philip. This is right before Jesus is going to the cross. He's giving last instructions. He tells the disciples, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You already know the way I'm going. You already know the truth you need. You already have the life you need. You have everything you need. It'll be okay. He says in verse 7, right after verse 6, saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7 of John 14, he says, If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. But then, (laughs) verse 8, Lord, said Philip, Show us the Father, and that's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, and I see him just going, Have I been among you all this time? Three years, Philip? And you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? In other words, he's, he's not saying that He is the Father, but He's saying He is the exact image and representation and radiance, like Hebrews 1 tells us, of the Father. All that God the Father is, so is Jesus. He is not the Father. He's the Son of God, but he, what the Father is, so is He. All the same attributes, all the same character, all the same heart, all the same glory. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then last, but definitely not least, 2 Corinthians 4.6 says this, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 1. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, don't miss this, church. Everybody, everybody, listen to this. Look at this if you have it open. If you don't, just listen to me as I read this statement. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. 
There is no better news than that. That we can know God and experience God in all of His splendor and glory by knowing Jesus. So if you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ today, if you're in Him, He is in you, then the light of the knowledge of all of God's glory is yours. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Moses and this prayer. Thank You for showing us his heart, his character. And oh, Father, may what what was true of him, may it be true of us. May his desire for you to be led by you, to experience your presence, to see your glory above all other things, may that be our desire. May that drive us. May we want you, not just things we need or want from you. And may we look to Jesus who is the radiance of all of your glory, the full and final revelation of all of your glory. And may we be changed every day more and more into the image of your glory through the Lord Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.